All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca podcast episode and a brand new guest, Carissa. Hent- now, Carissa, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try this uh, for the <laughs> okay. first time out loud. Your last name is Hunziger. Is that correct? Yes, that's it. <laughs> okay, perfect. We got it. Carissa is here to hang out with us and talk about how to capture emotion in your clients. Um, this is not a topic we've dug into a whole lot on the show and, and we, we put a lot of episodes out there. So I appreciate you making time to share on this topic with us today, Carissa. We're going to get to that here in just a little bit. But first question for you, we're just going to jump right in. Okay. Uh, you're, you're a Southern, and actually on your Instagram bio, for everybody listening in, if you go to Carissa, K-A-R-I-S-S-A Lane photo, L-A-Y-N-E photo, we'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But you say you're a, you're a Southern California, Colorado, <laughs> Florida photographer. You, you kind of move around a lot, huh? <laughs> I do move around a lot. My husband's in the military. Okay. So yeah, it works for me. I kind of have home in different places. So <laughs> well, and you mentioned to me before we started recording that that you travel a good bit. Do you enjoy that? I do enjoy it. Yeah. Sometimes, um, like I was telling you earlier, it's it's good to kind of have a routine and be able to really work. <laughs> but um I do I love seeing different places and getting to see my family all over. So it's good. Well, it, it probably brings quite a bit of variety too, which is something like if I'm not traveling, a lot of the times I'm sitting in my apartment. I'm right now I'm sitting in my apartment at a desk uh, yes. recording this and, and it can be in some ways a, a bit lonely, you know, if you're not out yes. actually connecting or, or moving. So uh, I welcome the variety that comes from travel and, and I can imagine that that can be inspirational for you as well. But yes, actually my favorite place to work is on an airplane. It's so weird, but yeah. I love it. I can get so much work done sitting there on the plane. It's yep. my favorite. <laughs> well, I think it kind of creates some limitations and in, in the most positive way possible, right? Like you're stuck in one place. You don't necessarily have internet access and you've got that computer right in front of you. It enables a certain amount of focus and getting work done, which I think can be really great. Yes, absolutely. That's cool. Well, talk to me first about customer experience. This is a relatively new question we've been asking this year. Is there a particular principle that you've found effective in providing a wonderful customer experience to your clients? Yeah, so I think honest enthusiasm And what I mean by that is just really caring about your customers and making sure that they know that you care about them. I think the best businesses are ones that, you know, it's not just about like money and transactions and sales. It's like they actually care about you and they're they're here for you and to serve you. So that's what I try to do with my customers. And yeah, just being really enthusiastic for them and about what's going on in their lives. So so there, there are two things that stand out to me in this, and, and I'm glad that you bring this up. One, you talk about enthusiasm. And I don't know yes. if you notice this, but anytime you, you meet, or I shouldn't say anytime, a lot of times, if not most times that you meet somebody, they don't know you. There is a tendency mm-hmm. for, for people to be guarded, right? Which Yes. So so they don't tend to be especially enthusiastic or especially <laughs> happy. They're a bit guarded initially. Maybe they begin to warm up as they get to know you and they let their guard down just a little bit. But anytime you have the opportunity to meet somebody who's actually that actually shows enthusiasm or excitement that you can actually see happiness in their eyes as they're beginning to have a conversation with you. I don't know about you, but I that just makes me feel good. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually going to be talking about that a little bit later, but <laughs> I think it's really powerful that, you know, and it doesn't sure it takes a little bit of an effort. And, and for those who might consider themselves introverts, they have to step mm-hmm. learn how to step beyond that that label and even limitation, if you will. But ultimately, showing a certain level of enthusiasm can really make a big difference, especially in that first impression. So I'm glad that you bring 
that up. When you talk about showing or caring for somebody, uh, what, what reminds or something that comes to mind ultimately is something we talk about here on the podcast a decent amount, the significance of adding value. I was listening to mm-hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk again, and and he was emphasizing this very point that you know, much of his focus is on adding value to the people that that consume his content. And that ultimately will come back to pay dividends. I mean, his company is doing well for multiple reasons, but I, the, the fact that he's gained so much notoriety is largely as a result of his focus on adding value. If, if we go into a potential relationship with a client with a focus on, first of all, kindness and enthusiasm, as you pointed out, but then adding value to their life, figuring out how you can make their life better and serving them to that end. Uh, again, there's an opportunity to create just an amazing relationship and ultimately an amazing experience for that client. And so I'm really glad that you highlight that. Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes it's easy to forget that our business is actually like, I'm here to serve other people. This business really has nothing to do with me. (laughs) Like, sure, I take the pictures, whatever, I'll post them. But ultimately, like, these are their memories to keep forever. Like, it really has nothing to do with me. So I think it's important to remember that. Well, I'll I'll leave it at that because you, I think you summed (laughs) that up beautifully and, and very powerfully. Talk to me about brand position. And for anybody new to this concept, what we mean by brand position is that the UVP, the unique value proposition your business offers to your market. Can you sum that up in a phrase or a sentence? Yeah. So uh, my brand position is capturing your marriage, not just your wedding day and giving you photographs that reflect exactly who you are. They're true to life, color and emotion. This is a really interesting one (laughs) um, for, for multiple reasons. First of all, props to you for actually putting that position up front and center. I do have to scroll just beyond the fold of of your homepage. I'm, I'm yes, I'm actually working right on now. that. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and, and that'll make it even even more poignant because the potential <laughs> client lands in your site and they see it right away. But I just what I was going to say is props to you for actually having it there front and center, even having a position statement to begin with, but then having it there right after that header image, capturing your marriage, not just your wedding. Now. I, I can imagine different people might take that phrase or that sentence in a different way. How, what do you actually mean by it? What I mean by it is I am really passionate about marriage. I love wedding photography because I think it is marriage is such a special thing. And I and hopefully no one will take offense to this. I don't mean for this to come across the wrong way. But sometimes I think in the wedding industry, there's just so much so many things going on and people spend so much time planning all these details and spending a ton of money and on and on that sometimes I think we actually lose out on what the day's about, which is about their marriage. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) And so it's just really important to me to, to make sure that my clients, the focus of their day is their marriage and that they remember that. Interesting. So you're, you're referencing then the connection, the relationship and and when you're saying marriage and not just the wedding, the, the kind of commercial, almost commercial event, right? Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Well, I, I first of all, again, props to you for even having a position statement. Secondly, communicating an idea that is certainly quite unique. I mean, I don't, I've certainly not seen it worded this way in any of the photographers' website that I can remember. I know that we've talked to one or two guests that that have communicated the idea of focusing on on helping the the couple have a better relationship. Mm-hmm. But this is this is even unique to that. And um, so props to you again for coming up with something that's actually unique. And for everybody listening in, you know, we, as much time as we spend on the brand position statement idea, and of course, now we have dedicated episodes just toward, or toward that topic. 
um, there is a significant benefit that comes from being able to very quickly and succinctly communicate how you're different than anybody else. That it, and to be clear, it's only a piece of the puzzle, but it's an important piece. Make sure that if you've not established a clear brand position, that you've done so. And, and shout out to uh, Anna on in, in episode 345. She came on and did a brand position consultation. If you all haven't heard that yet, make sure you go listen because it'll give you more context to this conversation about what it means to create a clear and distinct brand position statement. And uh, I'll leave that as is for now. <laughs> I don't want to spend too much time there. But continuing on, talk to me about time management as a, as a business owner, especially one, Carissa, who travels quite a bit. How <laughs> do you effectively manage time where you can create space for yourself, the important people in your life, and simultaneously run an effective business? Yeah, so I was kind of struggling to come up with a very clear answer to this. And it's definitely something I struggle with and I'm always working on it. Okay. But I definitely, I realized that I always set aside one to two days a week just to take the day off. Yeah. But it definitely varies from week to week. I do really enjoy having a flexible schedule. That's something I love. So I try not to be strict with myself. Um, I've actually tried like time blocking and different techniques and they just don't really seem to work for me because <laughs> I really like to be flexible and like maybe something comes up so I go do that thing and then come back to something later okay but that just works for me so usually what I'll do is at the beginning of each week I will uh, write out the big tasks that need to get done that week and then I'll kind of plan accordingly uh, what I'm going to work on each day and it's kind of more of a it's not so structured it's kind of more of like a general plan for my week but then yeah I always make sure that I take one to two days off completely, turn off my computer, turn off my phone, everything, just fully be present, my husband or whatever. And that's the other thing is my husband has a varying schedule. (laughs) So usually I try to kind of uh, plan it according to when he has off as well. And then, yeah, the other thing was just having really realistic expectations of what I can get done. So when I'm, Mm. when I'm writing out my list of tasks that needs to get completed that week, actually, like, what can I actually realistically get done this week? What are like five things that I need to get done that I can get done this week and not just like overloading myself with things? That's an interesting one. I'm not sure that many, if, if anyone, <laughs> uh, many people have talked about that on the, on the podcast. It's, I have a, I have a tendency of, I guess, creating expectations that are, that are just not realistic. I think I could get mm-hmm. more done in a shorter amount of time than I effectively can. And then, oh yeah, it, same. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, well, and then if I give myself too much to do, then I'm ultimately stressed out and yeah, potentially exactly. going to stress other people out, and that's just not a great place to exist. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a that's a really great reminder. I'm curious though. You said you have a tendency, like you, you enjoy kind of having the <laughs> flexibility of doing this thing and that thing. If something comes up, you go do that. Um, do you ever find that that's distracting in, in your um, workflow? Okay, I should be more clear about that. I guess what I mean by that is at the beginning of the week, I might see a list of things like, oh, my friend invited me to do this on Tuesday afternoon. I'm going to let myself go do that with her. And that might mean that on Wednesday, I have to work longer okay. or get up earlier Tuesday and work an extra hour in the morning. Does that make sense? So kind of it does. changing week to week. I didn't mean being so all over the place, but kind of being <laughs> my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> From week to week. So yeah. And actually with that being said, I just thought of something that's really helpful is to really focus on one thing at a time. So yeah. sometimes I'll almost do one thing all day long. Like maybe I'll just edit all day long on Wednesday and I won't do anything else. And that helps a lot too, to keep your mind just focused. 
or you can always just outsource your editing. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm giving you a hard time. No, that, that the focusing on one thing is, you know, a lot of people I think argue that they can't, or they say that they're mult, great multitaskers or uh, any number of excuses might come up. But the reality is that at least most people will actually tend to get better work done more efficiently if they actually throw themselves into like truly focusing on one thing. And it's funny how being, Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, being in a plane, it just naturally forces you to focus more effectively. It's interesting how suddenly in in certain situations we find ourselves able to do so. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's about setting environment. Certainly mindset is a big one as well. And, and focusing on one thing at a time can really, really make a big difference on multiple levels. So I'm glad that you point that out as well. Let's talk about delegation or outsourcing, though. I mentioned <laughs> that a second ago, but are there certain things in your business that you outsource or delegate? Yeah, well, funny timing, because I am actually meeting with someone tomorrow. I'm kind of hiring her to be a little bit of a virtual assistant for me. Cool. <laughs> so kind of just doing certain things like that I, that I don't necessarily enjoy, I guess, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, a lot of like off, office tasks, like blogging, bookkeeping, some marketing. And actually going back to what we just said, I realized that it's not even so much that these t- things take a lot of time. Like maybe writing a blog post takes, what, an hour a week or something. But it's kind of just when you have all these things on your brain, I think it it's harder to get everything done because your brain's all over the place. And so I think it's, I think it'll be helpful to just be able to focus on only half of the things in my business and just let someone else do the rest, if that makes sense. So yeah, I'm actually getting ready to do that. So I'm really excited about it. (laughs) That's perfect. And you know, there's a, there's a pretty significant learning curve involved in the delegation process. You're probably going to find this too, as you, even if you're just working with a VA a few hours a week, learning how, first of all, being clear, it's, it's so, so important to be clear what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish. I mean, personally, on a big picture level. And then secondly, of course, that hopefully is trickling down to your business. It's going to affect what you're trying to get done in your business. And then ultimately helping you be clear about what it is that you can hand to somebody else uh, mm-hmm. so that you can focus on the things that you actually need to be involved in or that you care to be involved in. I love that you're taking that step and I would encourage everybody to look for opportunities to do this. Believe it or not, myself, you know, having despite having owned Photographers Edit now for for twelve years, um, I am still learning. And, and you know, it's a delegation. It's a company built around the idea of delegation and outsourcing. I'm still learning to be a better delegator, and I'm going to be working actively, actually, hopefully in the next few months, on growing our team or at least restructuring it in certain ways so that I can more effectively delegate, so that I can focus more on the things that I'm especially good at, and ultimately that reflect my role at Photographer's Edit and the podcast and now Milu. I, I need to do more of that. I'm realizing that. And um, so I'm going to continue to work at that, but it's a learning curve. Uh, and a lot of it centers around, one, being clear about what it is we actually want, but then two, learning how to effectively communicate with somebody else. And we're so used to working in our heads. And, and so we know what we want. We know what we're thinking figuring out how to communicate that information to somebody Mm -hmm. else in a way that resonates with them, it can be a bit of a challenge. On the other side of that learning curve, though, comes some some freedom and some flexibility and the ability to be able to to be even better than we already are. And so I would encourage everyone, just like Chris is doing in this case with a VA, to figure out ways that you can delegate, whether it's a third-party company or hiring somebody in-house or having an intern or finding a VA or hiring a photographer's editor, whatever it might be, 
figure out what you can delegate so that you can be the CEO of your company and ultimately build a business that's probably capable of way more than you're even doing right now. I, I love this, yeah. this inspiration, Carissa. Yeah. And I think for anyone listening to like, I, I've been really fearful of, of having to pay somebody, I guess, mm. um, to do things that I felt like I could just do myself. Sure. So I had to work through like, what is actually like, where is that fear actually coming from? And I realized that I didn't want to be, I didn't want to feel like, I, I don't want to have like a scarcity mindset with my money, if that makes sense. So Absolutely. for anyone who feels like that, I just encourage you to kind of like dig deep and figure out like, what are you, what are you actually afraid of? And how can you work past it? You know, cause giving up 50 bucks a week or whatever, like <laughs> is worth it to me to have more freedom in my life and ultimately like more happiness, you know? So I think it's important to, kind of work through those things and just don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, don't be afraid. I mean, that, that sums it up. And, and if you are afraid, figure out where that fear is coming from mm-hmm. and, and address that. Uh, you know, yeah. we have a tendency, and I've certainly been guilty of it, of saying, um, I feel this way or I am this way. And the reality is there's something behind that. Uh, fear in many cases comes from lack of understanding or lack of context. Mm-hmm. And so developing a certain level of understanding, which will then enable, I mean, in this case, it might be just better understanding our numbers, our budget, what we're actually mm-hmm. capable of affording to outsource or to delegate will enable us to, to remove or minimize that sense or that feeling of fear and, mm-hmm. and move forward, be able to actually take action, um, which yeah. is really, really cool. So props to you for that. But I want to keep <laughs> going too. Talk to me about inspiration. I mean, this is a word that comes up a good bit these days in in the industry, directly or indirectly. But where do you find inspiration outside of photography? It's easy to scroll through the Instagram accounts of our fellow <laughs> photographers, but is there is there are there other places that you find that inspiration? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to try not to sound too cheesy, but I think I will be cheesy here. <laughs> but Go it's for true. It. <laughs> well, first and foremost, my faith uh, is really important to me, but also my family. And I actually talk about this a good bit. Um, just my family really inspires me. And I mean, we're kind of going to get into it a little bit later. But I just know that I love my family so much. And I just try not to take any second with them for granted. Um, As I mentioned, my husband's in the military, and we have been apart a good bit in our relationship. And so actually getting to spend time with him and spend time with people in my family, I just really, really appreciate like, each second that I have, and I just really try to soak it all in. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later, too, with our conversation <laughs> with capturing photos. But um, yeah, my family is where I draw a lot of inspiration. And then also just nature and traveling, which we also talked a little bit about, but I love to be outside, I could spend all my time outside. I love it so much. So anytime I'm feeling stressed or anything, I'm just like, okay, I just need to go outside. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And how did, I mean, you talked about family. Yeah. You talked about the outdoors. How did those two elements of your life bring inspiration? How does mm-hmm. that actually translate practically to your photography business? Well, okay. So like I was talking about with my family, just um, not taking for granted the time I have with them. And I actually, like when I was apart from my husband, pictures actually played a really big role in my relationship. Just looking back at like happy memories, just like really kept me going through. Um, and then as far as nature, like part of my brand position is delivering photos that are true to life and true to color. And, and that's because I, I just, I think the world is so beautiful (laughs) and, um, I, I just really, yeah, I want to celebrate 
just how beautiful the world is. And I want that to come through in my photography, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, and I have to, to say your Instagram account is so vibrant. You talk about that color. And for everybody listening in, again, go to Chris Elaine Photo. We'll link to it in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But this Instagram feed, first of all, it has a wonderful variety to it. It doesn't feel so cookie cutter and you know everything looks exactly the same. Um, but it, it has this vibrance to it, which is really, really lovely. So you're, you're definitely doing a, a wonderful job of depicting that, that color, that vibrance that is life. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> so talk to me about a business or self-help book that you've read or listened to that you've found a lot of benefit in. Yeah, um, I know you guys talk about building a story brand all the time. So I'm just going to ditto that and not go into it too much because it's talked about a lot. But I did read that. And yeah, ditto that book. (laughs) Um, But one that I wanted to talk about that I don't think ever has been mentioned is it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Wow. Okay. Yes. And I think you'd really like it, Nathan. (laughs) There's also a podcast. So I haven't actually gotten through the whole book, but I have listened to the podcast. It's actually put out by Bridgetown, which is a church. Okay. Um, And if you go to episode 347 of their podcast is where this series kind of starts. But it's all about how hurry is incompatible with love. That was a quote that I had pulled out Whoa. that I feel like sums it up pretty well. Okay. That's a yeah. pretty bold statement. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I have to listen to it <laughs> or read the book. Yeah. It's just, it's just talking about our culture and how we're so hurried and busy and distracted all the time. Right. Uh, he goes in a good bit into like technology and our phones and apps and stuff as well, which was really convicting for me when I was listening to it. But yeah, it's just about how to create margin in your life and to just slow down and be able to love people well and just kind of be purposeful in your life instead of just rushing around all the time, basically. So and uh, tell me the name, the the title of the book one more time. Yeah. It's ruthless elimination of hurry. Wow. What a powerful title too. Okay. We'll we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, Again, bocapodcast.com. For those of you listening in, if you don't take advantage of the show notes, you're you're missing out because there's just wonderful content there. Summarization links to resources, uh, from these episodes that Haley puts together. So just go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. Um, let's go to, well, this idea of emotion. Uh, emotion, and I have to say, is one of my favorite things to capture uh, when I was a wedding photographer, an engagement portrait photographer. I did a little bit of general portrait work, family work, and so forth as well. But I just love, as long as I had good light, and, mm-hmm. and a client that, that cared to kind of open up and, and put emotion out there, especially in, their, in the engagement with their significant other, I was a pretty happy dude. And, mm-hmm. and yet, I know that I could have done a better job of encouraging that emotion, the expression of that emotion, because as we talked about at the beginning of our conversation, many people are not comfortable expressing emotion in front of somebody that they mm-hmm. don't know. And on top of that, they've got this camera pointing at them, and that's that, that much <laughs> awkward, right? So I want to get into how you're able to capture this lovely emotion. Again, for everybody listening in, just go to Carissa's Instagram feed. You'll be able to see what I'm talking about. I want to better understand how you're approaching the portrait sessions or photographing weddings for that matter and getting this type of emotion. Just to begin with, though, what's the motivation for you in capturing that kind of emotion? What what about it is inspiring to you? So... I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think photos are just have the power to be so powerful. <laughs> That's <an> <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, I, I think that pictures can be more than just pictures. I think that they can be really real and can really 
come alive. And um, for me as a wedding photographer, I I just really want my photos to be able to trigger just th- such joyful memories. I mean, your wedding day is like the best day of your life. And hopefully you're very joyful <laughs> on your wedding day. So yeah, I want my photos to just be able to trigger those memories and those just joyful emotions. And I, I think in marriage, you will always go through hard times. I don't care who you are, there'll be hard times. And I think it is a powerful tool for you to look back on and actually be able to like see how you're feeling and how happy you are and how in love you are. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's that's really my motivation for trying to capture it, capture each, each couple's love as best I can. Huh. So, I mean, is this something that you naturally did from the very beginning or is it something you kind of had to learn how, how to create or not create, I guess, so much as just encourage Mm -hmm. from your subjects? Yeah. So a little bit of both. I think I've always been pretty good about capturing pretty natural, fun photos. Like I've always hated like the stiff photos, smile at the camera. So I've always been pretty good at it, but I have learned how to turn it into like fake authentic (laughs) emotion and actually like real authentic emotion. Okay. So (laughs) I'm about to talk about this a little bit, but um, sometimes you'll, you can tell a couple like whisper your favorite cereals in her ear or something like that. And that's great sometimes make him laugh, whatever. But to me, that's kind of like a fake authentic emotion because there's no, there's no emotional attachment to that. There's no memory attached to that. It's just me telling him to whisper cereal in her ear or something. Does that make sense? It, it does. Yeah. I, I might use the word triggered, which I guess in some ways might have negative connotation in culture these days, but like when <laughs> a, a triggered emotion, right? So you're, you're giving them yeah. a trigger, which is encouraging emotion because the, the reality is it's it's not fake it it actually is real emotion that's coming from someplace when they they're making an association right so you, you say mm-hmm. whisper um their your favorite cereal into her ear whether they think it's just silly in general or they're able to connect that with a personal experience or some memory tied to their relationship or whatever it is they're making some type of an association which leads to actual emotion versus you just saying smile at the camera. Yeah. So I, I would, I would actually push back a little bit and, and give yourself a bit of a break. I don't think it's fake so much as just you're <laughs> using a trigger in this case, a, a positive one that encourages that emotion, which I think is great. But you, you said that that's something you've kind of learned how to do, or is that something you were able to do kind of from the get go? I mean, you've got just, in fact, I was actually scrolling through your, your Instagram account <laughs> and there's this picture of you. Um, let's see, here it is that you posted on December 1st of last year and you're standing in this field of sunflowers with your camera but your smile is so great i mean it like i would <laughs> naturally smile in response to that to that smile it seems very genuine very kind very heartfelt very warm um so it seems like you just naturally create that environment anyway but as far as the technique is concerned was that learned honestly i don't think so i think i i think i've always kind of been able to to create silly prompts and stuff to okay. be able to capture emotion. I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I well, feel you're like just there, natural, there was then. never really, <laughs> I think so. I feel like there was never really a certain point where I was like, it clicked for me and I like learned how, but like I said, I have gone a lot better at it and I have learned with practice how to actually create real authentic emotion and not just kind of like some like something silly, if that makes sense. <laughs> well, you know what? Let, let's actually make this very practical and tangible for our listeners. So I know you were about to share some techniques yeah. with our listeners that will more effectively enable them to encourage emotional 
expression by their clients. Um, will you just go ahead and share those with us now? Yes, of course. So the first thing is just to get to know your clients and the before you even show up to meet them in person. One of the things actually going back to my brand position, I remember when I was looking for my own wedding photographer, I felt like a lot of times there would be, they would try to get to know you, but it would be pretty like surface for surface level. Like what are your wedding colors? Like, I don't know what's stuff like that. And um, I really try to dig deep and really, really get to know my couple, like who they are as a couple, what they love about each other, their favorite memories, what they like to do together, um, stuff like that, that actually allows me to get to know them better as a couple. And then always when I show up to a wedding, I take at least 10 minutes, sometimes longer just to chat with them. And we'll just walk and talk and get to know each other better. And that makes a huge, huge difference. Are you are you normally photographing an engagement session before a wedding or in some cases you're not? I try to, but not always. So okay. Sometimes if it, if I don't get a chance to meet them before their wedding day, I try to FaceTime or something with them at least. But yeah. That questionnaire that you're sending to them or those questions mm-hmm. that you're asking them, are you sending it in the form of a questionnaire? Are you asking them on that call or the FaceTime call? Is, is it a really long list? How have you, what does that actually look like? So it's both. I chat with them and just ask personal questions, but then I do have a questionnaire that they actually can write out answers for me where I really ask them deep questions. And sometimes that does allow them to open up a little bit because they might not feel so awkward. They can kind of think about it and write it down and send it back to me. So that's true. Can you give me an example of one of those deeper questions? Oh yeah. I should have pulled it up. Let's see. I think I asked, uh, what's your favorite thing about each other? What are you most looking forward to about being married? How did you meet? Stuff like that. (laughs) Okay. So getting to know them, their relationship, maybe more Mm -hmm. specifically, in a bit more detailed manner, because you're right, if you skip straight to just conversation about the wedding and there is little personal interaction there, a lack of context, uh, a lack of perspective that comes from that information, mm-hmm. then it, it you could be kind of short selling yourselves to, to that client's experience. So um, that's a really great reminder. Okay, so number one is to get to know the clients on, on a slightly deeper level. What's the next technique? Yes. And actually, just really quick going yeah. with number one as well, I just thought of this. I think it, I just wanted to emphasize it's also really important to allow them to get to know you and Mm. uh, one thing I always remember is you can't really expect people to be vulnerable with you if you're not willing to do the same so um, it is important to tell them like what about your marriage or um, just about deep things about you as well so that's important as well that's an interesting reminder and that's something I've I've had to be reminded of just in general my my efforts at conversation I, I love to create conversation and to go deep and ask other people's other people questions uh, not everyone tends to be a natural conversationalist mm-hmm. and so they won't necessarily ask me questions back um, yeah. and and so then it kind of feels weird to me that I like have to <laughs> offer information about myself. And so I just don't, which probably doesn't help. Is there a way that you manage this? Not necessarily. I mean, like I said, at the beginning of a shoot or wedding or whatever, I, I just try to engage in conversation with them. Like I said, as long as I feel like I need, um, okay. I try not to rush just literally like if I'm having a shoot on the beach or something, we'll just walk and talk along the beach and we'll just get to know each other better. I don't know though. I guess I don't really have <laughs> a good technique for that, but just, just casual conversation, I think helps a lot and helps them to feel like you're a friend and not just someone showing up with the camera to take their pictures. <laughs> yeah. I, one technique I have found 
helpful, even actually in the other way around, creating conversation too, is listening to what somebody says and making some type of a connection mm. with that thing. Yeah, um, that's good. And I, there's actually a, a a late night talk show host. He's no longer on the air. And he's, uh, shall we say, colorful, to say the least. <laughs> uh, just a heads up to everybody. His name is Craig Ferguson. And I, I'm a bit obsessed with the guy's technique, his ability to... He, he kind of made this... Uh, big deal out of ripping up the cue cards before he started an interview with whoever the celebrity guest, whoever the guest was that had come on. And he would just play off the other person in a way that I was, and still in a way I'm kind of jealous of. Like, I, I really want to be a better small talker, not for the sake of staying at surface level conversation, but mm-hmm. just being able to help somebody feel comfortable and kind of play around and joke and and have some fun. Um, uh, because I tend to be a bit of an uptight conversationalist too. So (laughs) I, I really appreciated and still do appreciate the the way that he's able to play off of somebody and and he goes these kind of random directions, but he can literally pull a word or phrase out of something that somebody just said and ask them a question and response that, you know, might even throw them off guard because it's kind of unrelated to the topic at hand and they go a different direction in the conversation and they go a different direction. And um, even just making an effort to to actually pay attention, to be able to make a connection with something that they said, and then use that as an opportunity to ask another question or to change the conversation, taking a different direction can kind of encourage a better conversation, I think. Yeah, that's good. I'll have to listen to that or watch that. <laughs> well, and again, I emphasize with everybody, um, just a bit of a heads up, he is a little bit colorful in nature, shall we say, <laughs> but it's it's really quite an interesting study in being a conversationalist, especially for those of you who feel like you're a bit more introverted in nature. Mm. It, it's certainly been a, a lesson for me. So just wanted to throw that out there. But so we're starting the first technique, doing a better job, kind of pulling that emotion from your clients. Mm-hmm. First of all, getting to know them and getting to know them gives you context perspective that might better enable you to create those triggers that pulls the emotion out. But what's the next technique? Mm-hmm. Okay, so number two is kind of going back to what I said earlier about prompting them to to an emotion and not instead of posing them prompting them, I guess. So usually, I will prompt them to, you know, snuggle up super tight as if you hadn't seen each other in a month. And then, you know, maybe spin around a little bit, maybe nibble on her ear, just anything that's kind of prompting them to do an action. Okay. Um, and then what I'm actually doing is I'm not necessarily photographing each of those things, but I'm looking for in between moments in between them doing those prompts, I guess. So yeah, so you're not so much prompting emotion as prompting the action, which then tends to, to tr- trigger the emotion, which you're then trying to capture. That's yes, I like exactly. That. Are yeah. you at that point? Are you using a, a longer lens to kind of zoom in on the emotion? Um, itself, it depends. Or? It depends. Okay. Sometimes that sometimes that helps. It, yeah, it really just depends. Honestly, um, I don't always have to. Like, for example, if I if I tell a couple to like, snuggle up really tight and now spin around, I'm not even necessarily going to take pictures of them spinning around. But often what will happen is They'll spin around for a few minutes. They'll be laughing, laughing, and then they might stop and like look up at each other, and then they might hug each other tighter while they're still laughing or something like that. If that makes sense. So then I'm capturing that the way that they're looking at each other, the way that they have a huge smile on their face. That's just an example, but that's that's what I'm really looking for. And a lot of times, it takes a lot of observation. Yes. <laughs> so 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 I, every couple is so different too. Not every couple is going to react the same way. Sure. But I think that that's what's fun is um, observing how each couple is so different and how 
uh, like they look at each other and, or sometimes after they kiss, a lot of times if you say, okay, pause, 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 stay looking at each other. And just seeing the way that they look at each other after a kiss or before a kiss or something like that um, is really beautiful. So that's really what I'm looking for. I like that. Okay. So prompt action, which I Mm -hmm. I put in parentheses as I was taking notes here, which spurs emotion. Mm -hmm. And do you have, have you learned a variety of prompts over the years? You have a list that you regularly pull (laughs) from, like, do you keep them, just keep them in the back of your mind? How do you do that? Yes. Actually, the third point I was going to say is that movement is super key. So I'll go ahead and answer that question while I dig into it. So usually I start out with a lot of movement. Um, I'll have them just walk or even run and this helps them just really loosen up but usually if you have movement prompts no matter what it is it is going to elicit emotion because Mm. they're thinking about what they're supposed to be doing and not so much about how they look or am I standing okay or Uh. like whatever so if they're walking they're focusing on walking if they if they're standing even if they're just standing still if I say like Um, sway her around so maybe her hair will flow in the wind really pretty or rub your hands on her back or brush that piece of hair behind her ear or something like that now they're focusing on doing that and not so much feeling awkward like how am I looking is this okay so I'm constantly like giving them things to do and uh, the movement is the key there so move them to distract them huh (laughs) yeah pretty much (laughs) But I like that, though. You're right. I mean, uh, and it's it's funny how we can learn life lessons from even conversations like this. I mean, it's what we focus on is, well, what we focus on. It's kind of interesting how easily distracted we can be. And yet it also is indicative of how whatever we give the attention to, that's where our mind will be. And so it's easy in that case to to kind of forget about the, um, the camera, that person that you're not really familiar with trying to photograph you. Yeah, exactly. Because you're focused on that movement. That's really good. Yeah. So to answer a question, um, usually I, I'll do kind of the same prompts over and over at every shoot, but um, I'll kind of run with whatever the couple gives me. So if a couple's really goofy and they love the laughing or running around, then I'll continue to, to kind of do that. Or if they really just love to be intimate and stare at each other or make out or whatever, then that's fine. And I'll run with that. So yeah, just kind of being flexible with what the couple gives you and then kind of like going with it. And, but usually I will start out with, uh, walking, running, playing, maybe their first dance song saying like practice dancing or something like that. And then I can watch to see how they interact as they're dancing. Okay. So that's usually something I'll always do. Yeah. And you do kind of have to learn the way that each couple works together. They're, they're certainly not all the same. I've, I've yeah, had a range. For sure. Actually another trick too. Sorry. I just thought of this as well. Sure. I'll, I'll tell them, okay, I'm going to run way over there. I promise I'm not leaving. I'm just going to run up there and get a super wide shot of the beautiful ocean or whatever. So mm. you guys just stand there, chit chat, whatever. And I'll be right back. Yeah. And it's kind of a, I mean, I will take a wide picture for them, but it is kind of a sneak, uh, a sneaky technique where I'm, I'll literally just put my camera down and I'll just watch how they're interacting as I'm way back up and see like what they're doing. Mm. Are they, are they, how do they snuggle up together? How are they naturally engaging in conversation? Are they laughing a lot and stuff like that? So that helps me too. Oh, that's great. That's, it's, and I bet too that there might even be an opportunity as you're observing them to just pull that camera up and snap a couple of pictures. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of times I'll go back and be like, okay, so I was watching you and this thing that you did was so cute. So I'm just going to, photograph you doing that so just keep doing your thing and even if I just tell them to continue talking sometimes that creates beautiful photos as well so 
but the specificity of prompts I think is great, you know, because that, that kind of general, okay, just stand over there and, and be natural or do what you normally do. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> very general kind of arbitrary statements. They don't, they don't know what that means, what to make of that. Even mm-hmm. if they know what they normally do, they, they're still very conscious of the fact that they're standing in front of the camera and this person yeah. they don't know very well. So giving them specific prompts, that's, that's really important. Okay. So number one, get to know the clients personally. Number two, prompt action, which of course ultimately spurs emotion. Number three, I, I'm, I'm going to sum it up by saying, move them to distract them, yeah, um, that's good. <laughs> to photograph them if you want to finish that off. But uh, what's number four? Number four is constant feedback. Okay. And I underline constant because yes. I really mean it is it is constant. Like yes. if you saw me, you'd probably think I'm crazy. Like just to give an example, I'll be like, okay, why don't you guys, why don't you put your arm around each other right now? Start walking towards me. Look at each other. Oh, I love the way you were just looking at each other. Yep. Oh my goodness. Stay yep. locked into each other. Oh my gosh, you look beautiful. Oh, your hair is blowing so beautifully. Oh, this is amazing. Like that's how I am the whole shoot <laughs> constantly. So I like, I never take a break in talking to them and giving them feedback. Like that looks great. Maybe move your hands. This is beautiful. You guys look amazing. So on and so forth. <laughs> and usually at the end of a shoot, that is like the number one thing they'll tell me is we felt so comfortable. We felt like you're a hype woman. I love how you just were like yelling at us the whole time. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, but that that, is, that's oh, key. it's such a big deal. It is really key. Um, I and I've I've seen. I think I mentioned this in the podcast, but you see this happen actually when you go to shooting workshops. And to be fair, shooting workshops, the context isn't quite the same. But you'll see, you know, whatever five, ten photographers lined up photographing this client, and nobody is saying anything. Or I'm, I say a client, <laughs> but the the model or the models, nobody's saying anything. You're just they're dead quiet, or at least largely quiet. That feedback, even if it's a model, even if the mm-hmm. model knows how to move, or these people know how to move in front of a camera, the feedback can create comfort. And you want a comfortable, the more comfortable environment, the more they're going to relax, mm-hmm. the more raw the emotion and interaction. That feedback is so important. And you mentioned enthusiasm at the beginning of our conversation. <laughs> and, yes. and I think that's really important. When I say to somebody, that looks great. Oh my goodness, that, that interaction. Oh, that kiss was awesome. The way you were just standing any of these compliments, I'm not, I'm not lying to them just to be a photographer and, and yeah. feed them some comments. I, I mean it. Mm-hmm. And the enthusiasm that goes along with that is going to come across uh, to them. It's going to make a big difference. So I, I love that you bring this up. I love that your clients are realizing the significance of it and <laughs> saying something to you. And I think mm-hmm. this is a really important reminder for all of our listeners. I know you told me that you've got five techniques. So let's jump to that last one. Okay, so this doesn't really make sense, but here's what I wrote down. Work quickly, but also slow down. So what I mean by that... (laughs) Do explain. (laughs) I know, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Very contradictory. But uh, what I mean by that is kind of going along with number four, it's kind of our responsibility to not allow there to be awkward moments or... Yeah, yeah, so I, I, I feel like I've learned how to give them a prompt. And then I am the one who can work around that. If you give them one single prompt or pose, if you will, you as the photographer can move around so much and capture so many different photos. Like you can get such a variety from just one simple thing. So, um, so I think it's really important to work quickly and not keep having to change them. Like, okay, we're going to do this. Okay. Now let's do this. Okay. Now let's do this, but kind of keep it flowing naturally. Mm. And I think it's, at least I feel like it's my responsibility to keep the session flowing naturally by just continuing to photograph them and then 
finally, when I feel like we need to change positions, then I'll prompt them to do so. But yeah, I snap a lot of photos. Uh, I kind of have to with my style because when they're moving a lot and stuff, I do have to snap pretty quick because sometimes they might make a goofy or weird face, but sure. the next second they might make a really cute face. So that's the one I'm going to use. So I have to work quickly, but then I also think it's important to remember that you can slow down. You can take a break. You can chit chat for a while. You can tell them, you know, like I said earlier, I'm going to back up and take a super wide shot. Yep. Sometimes I do that more than once. Um, it's okay to take a break. I mean, sometimes getting your photos taken can be kind of stressful and it's like, Oh my gosh. So I think it's nice for them also to take a little break and just take a deep breath and, and then we'll get back into it. And like, I can, I have a conversation with my clients throughout the whole entire session. Like I'll stop for a minute, put my camera down and be like, so what'd you guys do today <laughs> or whatever. And yeah. I think that's super important to help them to continue to feel comfortable with you. Yeah. You, you talked about minimizing that, that awkwardness and, and that's, I mean, you can do that first of all, by constant or consistently communicating too. So there's not a ton of mm-hmm. silence, um, filling in that silence with genuine compliments and, and specific instruction. That's really important. But then I love that you bring this up, not being so frantic going from mm-hmm. one pose to the next. Yeah, there is, there is, even if, even if, you know, you're frantic because you had too much caffeine or you're just excited about the shoot or whatever <laughs> the thing is that fran- the frantic nature of that type of interaction can create a bit of unease. And mm-hmm. so I-, I like this work quickly, but slowly. I-, I think it actually makes plenty of sense now <laughs> as you explain it. And I think it's a really great reminder for our listeners too. Don't, don't be so quick to rush through everything. Help mm-hmm. them relax by not being so frantic. That's a wonderful, wonderful reminder. And, and these are great points of conversations and, and reminders and uh, for, for myself and for our listeners as well. And I really appreciate you being willing to kind of share a little bit of how you're capturing. Again, I have to say these just beautiful images. I'm, <laughs> I'm back on your Instagram account looking here as, as we're talking. Really, really lovely. We'll oh, link to that and your website, by the way, for everybody listening in, Carissa Lane Photo, K-A-R-I-S-S-A-L-A-Y-N-E photo.com. Uh, we'll link to that and uh, the same thing for Instagram, Carissa Lane Photo in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. And uh, Carissa, thank you so much for hanging out with me and, and sharing a bit of your insight into the topic of capturing emotion today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.